0: Yeah, she'll teach you how to be autistically you, not afraid to talk about what's taboo. So don't play small. Join the podcast with Nikki
1: Collins, Autism Unmasked. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Autism Unmasked. My name's Nikki Collins, I'm the autism coach. And author of Through Autistic Eyes. You can find out more about my coaching and my book on my website theautismcoach.co.uk. Today I am joined by Anna Aragon who specialises in mentorship for autistic people and helps families to understand where their differences might come into play and teaches them techniques without the need to be fixed. So Anna has a background also and is very vocal in masking and repressing autistic traits and characteristics and works a lot around suicide prevention as well. Welcome to Autism Unmasked, Anna. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Nikki. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We are in a brand new year. What awaits you for 2023? Because let's face it, 2022 was... Slightly odd.
0: Yeah, it was a strange one. Yeah, 2022 brought a lot of things, including a new practice for me. Um, I have been working with autistic people for a long time, but I think that the pandemic, having forced me to go online and turn my whole business into an online business, really helped me in a certain way and made me realize this is what I wanted to do. 2022 was a lot about building that figuring out what worked for me as a professional. And now 2023 will be about building from that base and carrying on bringing acceptance towards autism. I've started writing a book um, with, and I got an editor, for a book on autism acceptance and how to be your authentic autistic self. So hopefully that'll be published in 2023, beginning of 24. Let's see how fast I can be. <laughs> that's exciting. So yeah, just add on to what I've been building this year, I would say. That's that's my plan. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Just keep that momentum rolling and building and building and building. So what got you into working with autistic individuals and their families, Anna?
0: Yeah, the family in specific. Um, so when I got diagnosed as autistic, um, I was 19, which was very lucky. As a, as a woman, I feel really lucky that I got diagnosed that early on because that is early for women. And I want people to also know that. Um, and I got diagnosed while I was studying a film degree, um, which is quite funny. Uh, and as soon as I got diagnosed, I quite realized something was off and film wasn't really what I was meant to be doing and I was meant to work with autistic people and I had no idea what autism was even before then I had to do a lot of research and figuring out um and once I did I I was like this is it and I just started working in uh, SEN schools with autistic children and everything and I, I went into my psychology master's and I just started building that momentum and that path. Um, then I realized that schools in specific didn't allow me to help as much as I wanted because there's quite a lot of rules. And as an autistic person, the environment wasn't the best for me because I couldn't control a lot of things like noises and lights. I think that just helping people understand autism more, the amount I of knowledge I've collected with working with different autistic people, with different ages, and just the fact that I had a really complicated childhood and I don't talk about it as often as maybe I, I I should because it was something that i was still dealing with until recently. But I had a very complicated childhood and people didn't understand me and I was made feel like I was the ugly duckling all the time. My parents used to say things like I was stupid and socially incompetent, and it was something that they were very open about their opinion of me. And once I moved on from those and I figured out I'm not socially incompetent, I'm just slightly different and my brain works in different ways and I'm actually autistic and I didn't allow those opinions to define me anymore and I created my own opinion of myself and I worked with that and I moved on from those negative impressions. That's when my life started to make sense. And that's what I wanted to bring to other people, that sense of you are not the problem. There is a space for you to accept yourself. There are people out there that will connect to you. You don't need to feel lonely forever. You don't need to be in this dark space forever. There there will be better times, you know, that. that's that's the type of acceptance and hope and yeah, life I wanted to bring to other people. That's why I do what I do.
1: That's amazing. And I think there's a lot of power when you go into work and a business in that way, coming from a more healed perspective and being able to use those experiences to show people that actually that I was once there. And this is what you need to do to get yourself out of these situations, because it doesn't always need to be like that. There is there is light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Literally. And it comes from inside you and the people I work with. That's what I also try to convey to them is they stay with me, they are with speaking to me and trying to move on from these situations because they already have that little seed, a little grain of light inside them that tells them that that is even possible, that there is better out there, that there is something to search for, that light. Otherwise, you wouldn't even try to search for support and help and someone to be there for you. So I think that's, that's the most important thing is if you have that light inside you, if you have that little seed, do search a way to help it grow. Do search for someone that can see through
1: everything that you've been through and can actually help you get to where you want to be absolutely you don't need to be in a state of pain for all of your life but pain can make you grow and flourish Mm -hmm. and I think both you and I live in proof of that
0: yeah exactly and I, I tell that to people you know like take me as an example if I manage believe me like I'm here with you you get support too did I do it by myself no did I have support as well yes thank god I did and now I just want to be there. I, I want to be the person that supports others through the journey that I was also in and that I've been through. Yeah.
1: Brilliant. Great reason. Great reason. So you say you were diagnosed at 19, and I know you and I have spoken about your your childhood and the, the challenges that you've had. And one of the reasons why you are so passionate about suicide prevention is because it was something that you've experienced yourself, like like me too. Um, mm. You had three suicide attempts before mm. your diagnosis, and it was actually the diagnosis that helped you to break free from that cycle. Exactly, yeah, 100%. And I was the same. I actually lost my dad in 2012 to suicide, so it's also something that's quite close to me. I often say that there are two emotions in life, love and fear, And what happens when your greatest fear comes from one of your greatest loves? And I love my dad immensely. But actually, now, knowing what I know now and how far I've gone in my journey, it was almost a gift because it has put me into such a different position mentally, emotionally. Give Um, you a sense of purpose almost, I can imagine, like defending this now as well. Exactly. So... If you're happy to, would you go into a little bit of your experience around that, Anna, oh. just for to help other people who might not be so healed?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's important. I think it's really important that we are honest about these things. So, yes, I think that the first time I consider myself to have officially decided I wanted to try to commit suicide and have tried was when I was around late 13, going on 14, maybe 14 already around that time. as Autistic people, reading in between the lines sometimes is really complicated. Um, and if you don't have adults that are actively supporting you through that and helping you see what different people are doing, why they are doing it, their intentions, trying to identify those, then you are left to your own means and that becomes really complicated and you become really vulnerable when I was 14 that was the case for me I didn't have adults supporting me in a regular way which led to me uh, making some friends that weren't so great and one of those friends was quite older than me he ended up sexually abusing me which took me on a journey of suffering and very deep depression for a couple of years i didn't tell anyone for a long time um the first time i told someone unfortunately it was one of my parents and that person as always made me feel like it was my fault and uh i was the one that was in the wrong <laughs> in that strange situation and both of those situations led me to try to commit suicide initially when it happened and then when i opened up about it and was told that it was my fault and as autistic girls this happens more often than not we go into these situations where people tell us let's go for a coffee and for us it means let's go for a coffee before the person on the other side it really does not and That is why I want to talk about that. I I want autistic girls to feel safe when they make friends, to feel safe out there in the world and for people to be aware that a lot of the times we need help finding that safety and we need help understanding all of these intentions others have towards us. And my story is an unfortunate story, but I recovered from it and I got the support and help that I needed in order to be here speaking about it but it it's something that i want to try to prevent happening from to other people as much as possible from here on out more than anything else
1: yeah our stories almost mirror each others yeah. actually yeah. So, and it's it isn't uncommon i was also in the in the same exactly the same position yeah. as someone who was in a place of trust and misused and abused that trust And as a result, I actually used alcohol as my mask, as my escape route. And that's when I started to go off the rails, have a lot of problems. But as I say, these have, I always feel that an experience that happens to you, happens for a reason. And you can either heal from it and use those experiences to help others who aren't healed yet. You can let it destroy you from the inside out.
0: Exactly. That it it is a choice. And I don't know if someone needs to hear this, but I say this to the people I work with a lot too. We are not responsible for our trauma. We are not responsible for what happened to us. But we are responsible for our healing. We are responsible for what happens after. And that goes for everyone. If your parents harmed you, even though you know they've had a hard childhood themselves, they were responsible for healing from that childhood and not harming you afterwards. We can't keep on excusing abusers based on past trauma that they suffered too. They were responsible for their healing. People need to be aware of that. It's okay that we go through these certain things. I mean, it's not okay that other people did it to us, but for us ourselves, it wasn't our fault, but it is important to get to that point where you acknowledge it happened and you give yourself the space to feel what you need to feel, go through the process of recovery. And it is painful. Recovering is painful. Healing is painful. And it's mainly painful because you feel bad for past you. You feel like you wish you could save past you so much. Mm. But you are actively doing that by recovering. You are fulfilling that person's story past you story you are taking care of them by taking care of present you I think that's the most important thing to figure out too
1: absolutely and healing it's not linear it's messy it's hard and it's spiral of emotions and that that's what life is it's this spiral of ups and downs Of course, of course. And it's, as I say, it's not linear. There's no right or wrong way. And sometimes you're going to feel like you've taken a massive step backwards because you've been triggered by something you thought you've dealt with. But as we were saying before we started recording today, triggers, when you're feeling triggered, is actually a really good opportunity to take a step back and go, this is interesting, what's going on here. And maybe it is that you need therapy around something and therapy isn't a weakness. It is a part of that healing journey. And sometimes we need to go back into it. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just really important to know it's not linear.
0: Yeah, exactly. And 100%. It's so funny to speak to you because I feel like I'm almost speaking to myself because we do the same type of work. We have the same type of stories. It's just fun. Because that's exactly the type of thing I tell people. It's like healing life is non linear, all of these things. And that's good. If life was linear, we would all be so bored. It's important to go up and down. It's important to go through these things because that's how we evolve, that's how we learn, that's how we grow. But it is hard. And I understand that when we are at the bottom bit of it, when we're feeling down, that it feels like nothing is ever going to make it feel better. And that's why all of this suicidal ideation type of thing comes to play. But. Again, life is a spiral and things will come back around. And the impermanence of things for this thing is the most important thing to learn about and understand is life is impermanent, feelings are impermanent. If you're feeling like you can't handle things right now, it does not mean you'll stay like that forever. There are other options and you will feel better. You don't need to give up on yourself because things will get better. And I'm out there. Nikki's out there. People like us that are tools. We are tools. Therapy is a tool. Coaches are a tool. Mentors are a tool. Use us. Literally, like, come to us. Ask questions. Like, we are here to help. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. So as a – you got your autism diagnosis at 19, which, as you say, is quite young for a, a female. And if you can hear that, that's the cat. He's back. Snippet has arrived. He's in the building. Come on, Snips. And you've only recently been diagnosed with ADHD as well. Yes, yes just this year. So
0: I got diagnosed as ADHD because my husband actually went through his diagnosis. And as he was going through his ADHD diagnosis, I was like, oh, that's me as well. And I've been attributing all of these things to my autism. I actually think they are more related to ADHD. That's, that's the thing with neurodiversity is that it's so correlated and things internalize so much that it's hard to be like, is this autism and just autism is this autism and adhd it's like it's a journey as well like getting diagnosed as neurodivergent in general is a journey like my my husband got diagnosed as dyslexic and then he figured out he's not dyslexic at all he's actually adhd and when he was a kid it was just easier for them to diagnose him as dyslexic especially all those years ago so yeah it really is a journey it really is the the, one of those things
1: Yes. So it just adds into the, the interestingness of your brain and how it works and how it can conflict against itself at times. So the old neuro spicy brain in action.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love this like saying.
1: <laughs> so I've coached mainly later diagnosed autistic businesswomen. And business right.
0: Would you women consider now. me late diagnosed? I actually
1: like don't know. Well definitely with your ADHD. But so okay. it, it kind of throws that. in a like the, the question of what's my ADHD? What's my autism? And I wonder how, as just an autistic person in general, how that impacts your your business.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think impacts. It's a funny word because I think it impacts in negative and positive ways, if that makes sense. I surprised myself a lot. Once I got to that stage where I trusted myself and I understood that self-esteem is not something that is superficial, it is something that comes from the inside. And it means trusting yourself and trusting your decisions and trusting that you're a competent person. Once I got to that phase of my journey and that kicked in... My autism became the best thing ever in the sense of I use my hyper-focus in ways that other people maybe wouldn't be able to. And when I need to get tasks done, I get them done in ways that are very efficient. I also think that double empathy is really real. And the fact that I'm autistic and I'm helping other autistic people, that comes into play. And we connect in ways that it would be hard to with other Types of brains and we understand each other in ways that it would be hard otherwise. So in general, I don't know if I could do this business. I could, I don't know if I could be literally doing what I'm doing if I wasn't autistic, because that's everything. That's what the business is. It's it's autism, it's what, what we can do with it, how exceptional we can be, it's showing that to people, but it's also being honest about the struggles and a lot of those are some days I feel absolutely exhausted and I need to learn which mask to use in that sense and mask a little bit so I can still help people and not get triggered as much and I do think that There are times because neurotypicals go into professional settings and they act differently. Neurotypicals go into family settings and they act slightly differently. There are times where using a mask, as long as you're not betraying yourself and your feelings, is a positive thing because you can use that to protect yourself in different ways. But it does get you really tired. It does get you really exhausted. It does cause more stress and anxiety. Acknowledging that is important. Being honest about how much this job can take out of you is also important because I love the people I work with. I love being there for them. But I also get someone that supports me and I also need support and I also need that time for myself. Before I acknowledged that, things were much harder. Since I've acknowledged that and I put that into place and I have designated time to rest, things are easier. And yeah, about acknowledgement, I think I would say more than anything else.
1: Yeah, definitely. And not taking too much on at any one time.
0: Accepting yourself, accepting the things as they come up, your feelings. If you are open to those, I think life is okay. It's just accepting that you are a human.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you're right. Everybody masks, regardless of neurotype. We all have that that office voice that telephone
0: voice as well sometimes and asking autistic people to never use any of those tools as well I don't think it's productive I do think they are needed from time to time and it's just using them to your advantage rather than against you and as an automatic tool I think that's when it's important yeah
1: that's the key to you <clears throat> using them as an automatic tool because yeah. there are times when it isn't safe to be an unmasked version of yourself and there are times I mean when you are at home you should be able to be 100% yourself you shouldn't exactly. need to worry about what you're doing or slapping on a mask for the sake of oh, how you
0: look yeah all of those things is there yeah
1: exactly but sometimes it's sensible. And sometimes you go into different modes. So instead of masking, it's a different mode. So I'm going into work mode. Right, I'm going to leave all of that at the door as I leave the office. Obviously, my office is home, so... (laughs) Yeah, which is also its own set of like yeah. (laughs) I have a designated area in my home. And sometimes for variety, I work in different areas of my home. (laughs) It's like, so you can see different things, 100%, yeah. Exactly. So, mm, today I should work on a sofa, and then the next day, why does my back hurt so much? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that. Uh, but, yeah, I
0: think that, like, maybe you can identify with this, too. But Before... I had pets that also kept me constant company. Things were slightly harder too. Since I got my dog and my dog does things for me as a support dog that I didn't even know it was possible for him to do. But my dog does things for me that just completely changed my life. I go out and walks with him. I get to see different things also because of him and that keeps my mind entertained and busy and gives me some time to rest as well. And I also think that's important. So, and again, just using tools that you have at your disposition. For me, my relationship with him to a certain extent, besides being lovely, is a tool that helps me deal with emotions and life in general. So,
1: yeah. And I don't
0: judge. Exactly. I never need to question his intentions,
1: you know? <laughs> which is yeah. lovely.
0: That's why I love my pets so much. It's like if they want to be with me, they are with me. If they don't, they don't. And there's never that, I don't know, miscommunication, you know. It's always more straightforward in a way.
1: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I've got I've got a cat, as you know, snippet. As everyone who listens to this podcast knows, because... He almost always gets involved. He's sitting next to me now, constantly attached. (laughs) We've got a whip and we've got six guinea pigs between me and my partner.
0: Six? So cute. (laughs) Yeah, I have two cats, Ezra and Happy. I call him Happy because (laughs) I want to say I always have happiness. (laughs) Yeah, then I have Alfred, my dog. He was named after Batman's butler. So, yeah, All <laughs> these special interests coming to play.
1: <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: nice to be that.
1: <laughs> so, apart from hyper focus, what else would you consider to be a strength, especially when it comes to like running your business?
0: Yeah. What else is a strength? Yeah, I would say hyper focus, double empathy, just the fact that I can relate to parents and people and explain different concepts Um, people tend to say things like I speak about autism in a way that they've never heard others speak but that's because besides everyone that I've worked with and the fact that I've met people that were three that were autistic and people that were 70 that were autistic I have the first person perspective. So if a kid is thinking in images and things come back to them in a very idactic memory type of way, I can explain that to parents in a way that other people maybe couldn't because they are not living it themselves. Because I've been through it. I know the process. I know what's going on inside the kid's head much better, especially after speaking to them. It's really easy for me to explain that with different analogies, with different concepts that actually help people understand them rather than feel lost. And I think I think that's important. So yeah, that first person perspective and experience. What else helps me as an autistic individual? I do think that my lack of filter helps a lot. Because throughout the appointments, as people are speaking to me, I don't really stop to think about stuff. I just say things as they come quite naturally. And I'm explaining autism in quite a natural way, because that's just what I know. And that's just, autism is my special interest. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so yeah, I, I do think that that wants to learn about it the fact that it's my special interest the fact that I can't really change my ideas around it I know what I know and I've learned what I've learned and I can just share that in a quite casual way it helps it helps people feel understood and seen and heard fantastic
1: yeah it's good and uh, it is as i say and i've said it before what we've been speaking it's needed it is needed. Yeah. So how can people contact you? How can they reach you if they would like to have a conversation with you, Anna?
0: That's a great question. My webs Through my website, you can book an initial consultation that it's a free 30-minute appointment that I provide to people so we can get to know each other. And you can also reach me on LinkedIn. Most people reach me through LinkedIn, send me messages asking to book that initial consultation. So those are the two main ways, I would
1: say. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I will link those into the show notes and that'll be so people are able to click through and see what wonderful work you're doing. So if anyone needs to get some support with a younger autistic person, have a chat with Anna. Yes. All the families come my way. (laughs) When I used to work with kids. I used to enjoy it because you was able to help the fa- all the families. It is yeah. it's not just it's working with child. Mm-hmm. It is it is developing a system and it's it's an ecosystem all on its own. And when you get the that those aha and those light bulb moments of that that miscommunication and how someone as simple as they've got an inner dialogue, they're only thinking okay. pictures. I asked someone only the other day. If I said to you, say your name, Anna, that wasn't her name, but that's yours. If I said to you, say Anna in your head, can you hear it? And they are like, yeah. So just check him because not all people can. Exactly. Yeah, that's
0: the type of question I ask too. It's, it's needed, you know. And I think a lot of times parents and when you even come and parents are like, I don't understand why she's doing this. And then I explain the way things come to us in different images or like the way we think and everything. And the parent goes, oh, yeah, that does make sense. That is what she's doing. <laughs> like, exactly. It's like, like, a light bulb moment like, oh, my God, my life makes sense now. And I'm like, yeah. Exactly. And sometimes it's such simple things, isn't it? Um, for
1: us, it seems mm-hmm. simple. But yeah, it's nice. So that's the advantage of being an adult and having a different language to be yeah. able you know, to explain these differences and the knowledge, yeah, expertise to know that some people see in pictures. So if I said to you, picture an apple in your head, you'd probably describe it in words and say, whatever it's it's round, it's red or green or whatever. Even though we're yeah. seeing it, isn't it? Yeah. So you can't see it as an actual apple, but other people who have no inner monologue see that as an actual image of an apple. And I just I've the brain and the mind itself—I just find it fascinating, and it's there's always more to learn about it. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it's so
0: much fun. Like I just love psychology in general. Like, but yeah, neurodiversity within psychology is just—it's fun.
1: Well, I'd like to thank you for your time and thank you for sharing something that was just—it was very vulnerable. And I think the more that we have these conversations and normalize these experiences, the it's important it's important it's important to for people to know that hopefully the least will happen to others you know
0: that that's
1: what I hope yeah exactly so as I said I would like to thank you for being on today and being a wonderful guest I will link all of your details into the show notes and people will be able to click through to you and thank you
0: Of course. Thank you for having me, Nikki. And
1: for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never have to miss an episode again. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast with Nikki Collins, (laughs) Autism Unmasked.